possible. So good morning out there. Good morning, December the 14th, 2023. And I'm so excited to see what the Lord has in store for this December 14th, 2023. For this is the only December 14th, 2023 you will ever have in your life. So, Brother Greg, how are you doing in there? I'm doing just fine, Brother Aaron. Well, it's good to have you back. We missed you last week. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to be back. It seems like I've been gone forever, it seems like. Yeah. I hate missing well, it's good to have you back. And Miss Hannah, are you awake and alive this morning? I don't know. I'm still recovering, but <laughs> it's a good day. Yeah. No, but Greg, when you were out, I think a few people had told me, I miss hearing his voice on there. <laughs> See, shouldn't that make you... Look at that, Greg. Feels good, don't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate it, you know, and uh, again, I don't want to take any credit or nothing. I just want to give it all to the Lord, but, but I do... Uh, I do enjoy doing this, and uh, I do. Uh, I just like to share what the Lord has given me. Amen. Yeah. Well, it's always a joy to have you on, and um, <clears throat> uh, we didn't have personally get to ask how did Saturday night at Clark's Community go with it, the Wax Museum. It went good. Uh, me and Tim was talking about that just now. So, uh, you know, it it. So when you walked in, they had this little scene set up for each, you know, uh, person in the Bible that the kids were portraying. And it had a little red circle that you had to step on. It's like a little red button. So you would step on that button and they'd start talking. And uh, let me adjust this a little bit. Yeah, which way? And uh, so I was, it was impress, impressing to me to see some of the kids that, you know how kids, they just surprise you. You know, and uh, some of the, the younger ones, and one in particular for me, he's he's rambunctious, but that's the one that stood out to me because uh, his paper was uh, it had fallen in the gr- on the ground, and uh, I picked it up and I said, "Hey, you you, uh, you dropped your paper?" He said, "I don't need it." I said, "Oh yeah." So I pushed his button, and buddy, he popped in there, <laughs> and I mean, really surprised me, and I was you know I was really impressed with these little ones and how you know. Uh, it, to get them to to sit still, that's a feat right there. That's the Lord's work. <laughs> but but uh, to see them, you know, as as the different crowds. So they went in. They usually they had like five or six people in a group, and they go from station to station around. That way, it wasn't just one person. It, so uh, to see them, you know, every group, every group over and over and over the whole, you know, for two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, now they we did have a little break there. It was kind of, I don't know, about halfway through there. There was there was a little break. They kind of got to run around and shake some, you know, shake Energy it off. Out. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, but no, it it went well. And uh, and and those kids, they they worked hard, and and you could tell that they put the time in, you know, uh, to to rehearse and to know what they did and. I was I was thankful for that to see those kids do what they did. I was I was impressed. So yeah, yeah. well praise awesome. the Lord. Yeah, and we had a um, amazing time last night. Miss Hannah, Miss Heather, uh, Miss Brianna, Miss Sia, Miss Kaylee, all those who helped. Um, y'all did a fantastic job getting that production last night. It wasn't really a I don't know what you call it production play. Yeah, it was a play. It had a mixture of like singing and 
I'll say production. Yeah. yeah. Singing and a little bit of acting. Jumping from the back balcony, <laughs> explosions, uh, wow. fireworks, pyro. I, it was really cool. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think the fireworks was when Jesus came out because we had, you know, we had baby Jesus, but then we had someone, a young adult here. Mm-hmm. He actually, he played Jesus, but I just want to, I don't know if Dalton's listening this morning, but he helped so much throughout behind the scenes with, um, anything that we needed and helping make props and stuff, he was just always available. So that was very, very helpful to have him around. So we're very thankful for that. But yeah, when Jesus came out, I think everyone just kind of was, he looked so much like Jesus that everybody, <laughs> well, like yeah. what you expect yeah. Jesus to look like, you know, um, that everyone was kind of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody was expecting that in yeah. a nativity you know yeah and we kind of threw that in there because we wanted to present the gospel so like at the end the script didn't have um the gospel message in it at the end but we added that in and talked about the cross yeah and we well we sang worthy is the lamb and then he came out and uh, i think it, it all turned out really well and um i thought it was really cool to be able to see like baby Jesus and then full grown Jesus mm-hmm. after he's risen to heaven. So you saw him and the baby in the background. So, but I'm really proud of all the kids, um, and everybody. It, it we have a lot of, a lot of, um, gifted singers in the choir. And, um, I had a few people come up to me in tears and was like, just hearing voices that pure and like small kids mm-hmm. singing to the Lord was just, singing praises was it just melted their heart so um i was like wow it was just awesome to see the body come together and um just all the love and support too and i think the kids really felt encouraged and because a lot of them um in the beginning they weren't as open to share (laughs) and and be a part of this but then as you know time went on they got more and more um confident and I think when they saw their parents there and just the whole body together they just really um opened up and the the performance actually went better than any of the practices had had (laughs) gone so that was really nice but um yeah it was just a really good I just had a really good day yesterday with them and I can't wait to see what else the kids do because we have a praise choir class now and we're going to start working with them on some worship songs and um I'm excited to see what the Lord does through it and how he grows the kids. So, I pushed the light. <laughs> hey, we all got something. This to was do. the best play ever. I didn't have to do anything besides <laughs> push the light. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was good. It was a it was a great night. Uh, I am pretty. Per, I am persuaded that God multiplied the people from the play to the eating afterwards. Though uh, it was like taking the five loaves and two fish and multiplying to feed the five thousand. Uh, we had to pray for that last night. I was really. I was seriously play, praying for that because there was so much more people than we thought. Yeah. And everybody kept saying, "Is there enough food? Is there enough food?" And I'm like, "Don't doubt." There's enough food. He's gonna multiply. Yeah. He's gonna multiply. Well, I'm not so much talking about the food. I was talking about the people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From the time we went to the sanctuary to the fellowship hall, the mul- the people were multiplied. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. If you want to listen live in the Box 2 Radio Network, 91.5 Litchfield, Hardinsburg, 98.3 Owensboro, Kentucky, 91.1 Highsville, Glasgow. You can also download our radio listening app. That's the Tithely, T-I-T-H-E, period, L-Y, 
church app found on your Android or Apple, then um, search Box 2, and then you're there. Or you can listen live at the website, www.box2.com. That's the number two radio.com. To engage with the broadcast, you can text 270-230-6337 with your question, your comments, your interaction. And we'll try to get as many of those onto the air, into the feed as we possibly can. Um, tomorrow night, Pleasant View Baptist Church presents a Christmas cantata. So cherish that name, February 15th at 7 o'clock p.m. Um, we're going to try to make it to this one. This time of the year, it's so hard to sometimes make it to stuff. It just seems like there's something all the time. But um, we're going, me and my family is going to try to go tomorrow night to the Christmas cantata. And then January the 1st, um, of course, we start reading at 12 o'clock midnight on um, reading through the Bible in a year in Hardensburg at the square. So that's exciting and always a great opportunity to be able to really read the Word of God out over the city square. Uh, weather today is a high of 49, a low of 28, so a little bit more chilly than yesterday, but not too much. It's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, <clears throat> verse of the day, Acts 2, 31. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of the dead, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. But now you know what I'm thankful for? He got up out of the grave. Get up, get up, get, get up. It. I was about to say <laughs> We do that all the time around here. Uh, quote of the day is a quote by D.L. Moody. David was the last one we would have chosen to fight the giant, but he was chosen of God. Mm. I love that. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, after the 7.30 break, we've been doing our church history corner, and I've had some comments on that. So um, at least somebody's enjoying that. Um, but it's it's exciting to study church history for me and to be able to just talk about a nugget each day because it's very important to understand where we come from. Um, some areas we need to understand the significance of what people walked through and went through to guard, persevere, and the importance and the weightiness of it. For example, every one of us probably have multiple Bibles. And if we don't have multiple Bibles, we got about a slew of Bibles accessible on our phone right now that any time we want to sit down and read the Bible, we can. Whereas there was hundreds and hundreds, really technically thousand plus years, where a lot of people could not sit down and read the Bible in their own language. Hmm. If you think about it. Um, yeah. We take that for granted for sure. And we forget how much work they put into it. Yeah. And then you have the Wycliffe and... You have the Reformation, and one of the cries of Reformation was to get the Bible into everybody's hands so the person who drives the plow can have the word accessible as the one who preaches the word. And I just I think that was a thing of um, during the Reformation, there was some sola and um, sola fide, which means faith alone. And there's other ones, but sola scriptoria was a big one for me, that it is scripture alone that guides us and is our plumb line of truth. But to do that, you had to get the scripture into everybody's hands. And that was one of the cries and moved the Reformation, was that everybody began to. And that's where the Geneva Study Bible came in. And then, of course, a few years later, after the 1500s Reformation, would have been the 1611 King James, which preceded the... Um, <clears throat> Geneva Study Bible. That was the main Bible used during the Reformation. So we're going to do some church history after that, but we're getting into the book of Hebrews this morning. 
um, in Hebrews chapter 10. Very beginning. Yep. We moving along. Now here's the problem, and it's a good problem to have. We're going to have to be thinking pretty soon about what book we're going to go to next. Wow. Um, I thought about Psalms, so we could be in there for about six years. Um, Could you imagine how long it would take us to go through Psalms? Uh, That would be... (laughs) That'd be I mean, quite an undertaking. <laughs> just, I mean, just, I mean, it'd be a long time. But then, when you get to one nineteen, how long are you going to be there? Uh, well, it's about the same time you was in under eighteen chapters before, <laughs> equivalent to <laughs> one longest uh, chap, longest chapter of the book. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next. We've talked about an Old Testament book, but um, if we did an Old Testament book, I would want one that's not too short. Like, you know, I'm not looking for Jonah, but yeah. not Genesis. I, I love Genesis, but it'd be so it's such a long book, yeah. so. Didn't I don't know. Talk about Isaiah. That's yeah, but a long one I, that's sixteen. I mean, that's sixty-one 61, chapters. Yeah. So that would be a long one too. We'll we'll see. Uh, this uh, before we go to chapter ten. I don't. I don't guess I was here when we talked. Uh, when y'all went th- over sixteen and seventeen of our, of chapter nine. Did uh, what did you all discuss on that right there? Because the Lord showed me something on that whenever I studied this a while back. That's when um, you you were here, Aaron, I think, yeah. 16 and 17. Yeah. <coughs> where there is a tester involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the ESV reads, where there is a will involved, the yeah. death of the one who made it must be established. Um, for it will take effect only, after, only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. What do we talk about there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, uh, Honestly, I don't know if we dove deep into it because well, we were talking in general of well, just what's going on here. All right, well, let's go. Let's. Can we talk about that today? Mm-hmm. If that's our because so, let's just like let's just get a context. Uh, uh, we'll start at fifteen. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of transgressions that were under the first testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Mm-hmm. And then for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, which is the will or the will holder. Uh, for a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Where unto neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. All right, what is so that's kind of laying the foundation right there of what the Lord showed me. So, you know, God is infinite. Mm-hmm. God cannot die. So how can we enter? Uh, how can we obtain an inheritance of a unfailing? unable to die father he had to place himself he had to come down lower than the angels mm-hmm. that's what we talk about low, you know and he had to be the ultimate sacrifice because without uh, uh without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins so he himself had to come down in human form and die you know in the beginning was the word the word was god the word was god and and the word was made flesh and come and dwelt among us so that we could have that inheritance with him because had it not been you know had he not been the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth 
how would we ever be able to inherit it if he hadn't died is what he's saying right here that's what the lord showed me i I, we can move on after that but that to me that was just like that just blow the top of my head off right there. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just kind of, uh, this, this showed me, you know, I had to come down here for you. You know, yeah. I, I had to place myself in a human body. I had to be tempted on all points. I had to go through all the things that, that all of you go through. And I had to pay the ultimate price so that you could have the inheritance that I have for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. He, <clears throat> yep. Um, I mean, it is rich. I mean, we talked about that in context yesterday about how much more sufficient his death was and his blood was and how um, much greater the second covenant is and how much better promises and better um, methods and everything. And, you know, this is the other thing that he's, that he's kind of, opened my eyes too was we look at it old testament new testament and and it is you know i I mean that's what the word calls it you know what i'm saying it's it's that is a a accurate statement i don't want to take away from that but when we look at this it is all the testament it's just the the new what we call the new testament is is what the old testament was telling us was coming Mm mm-hmm and now it, it is here. It's you know it's so. Before it was things unseen. Now it's things seen. So it's all to me. It's the whole thing is a testament of Jesus Christ. You know before mm-hmm. we, we was telling, they was telling us what's coming, and now afterwards you know we're seeing what is take place. So. Yeah. Um, there is a continuity to it all, and yeah. yet still a distinction. And that's kind of speaks to who our God is. Is how. The whole thing is a testament because the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The mm-hmm. Old Testament is New Testament concealed. Yeah. Um, but yet there's such a distinctive difference between even the way he responds to us from the old to the new because, why? Jesus. Jesus yeah. changed everything. And it's, yeah. it, that goes back to, uh, you know, have, he explains that in Ecclesiastes. There's a time and a season for everything. Everything has a time and a season. Everything... You know, it, it has it has to have time to to grow and to mature. You know, just why Jesus says that my time has not yet come. You know, there's a time and a season for every process that got in God's plan. And uh, yeah, that's something the Lord's been speaking to me. You know, it's His time, and I'm just here. <laughs> you know, for for my perspective, and yeah. uh, you know, and. It's his, it's his universe. We're just living in it. Exactly. He's yeah. the center of it. We're not. <laughs> yeah. And before I was the center and whenever I was the center, I, it, I can't maintain the center, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's a weighty yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, uh, I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not, but, uh, it's like with the Lord. You know, it's a hurricane. So in the center of the hurricane is peaceful. You know, when you're in the center of the of the, of the, the will of God, it's peaceful. You know, look at the birds are flying around, but like the wall of the hurricane, everything is just being dist- just whew, it's just going crazy. It's chaotic. You know, it's 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 a hurricane, and that's the way the world is. If you're outside of the will of God, you're in all that chaos. 
But if you can find him in the center, if you can put him in the center, there you'll be also. <laughs> Where, and then you can find peace in the middle of all that and look up and the birds are flying when the, in the eye of the hurricane. So. All right, Hebrews 10.1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices really offered year by year continually make the comers therefore unto perfect. So he's saying here the law was a shadow. It was a shadow of things to come, but it did not possess the real image, which means what? It was not capable of doing what the real image is capable of doing. It can only reflect and shadow something, but it is not the real image itself. And again, this is coming back to just a couple of chapters ago in Hebrew when he was talking about that the first covenant or the first law, the, the law, in essence of what he's saying, had fault, whereas the second greater covenant does not. There is no fault. And what is that fault? Does it mean that God failed or did something wrong? No, it, it meant that it did exactly what the Father meant for it to do, but it was not able to do what Christ can do. And so Christ came to fulfill the law in totality because he knew we could not fill the law in totality. Why? Because we will never achieve his righteousness, holiness, or his greatness. And we will always fall short of the glory of God's what Romans tells us. Therefore, we need a redeemer. We needed a savior. So he came as the high priest, but not just as the high priest, but he came also as the lamb. So he was the high priest who allowed himself to be sacrificed because they didn't really kill him. you got to remember that. He said, no one takes my life. I freely lay it down. And I lay it down for what? My friends. And so here he is. He's the Lamb of God that's perfect, that is sinless, that is flawless, who gives himself so he can fulfill the law. And then he's the high priest who takes that blood of himself, puts it on the mercy seat, not of earthly tabernacle, but as Hebrews 9 says, of the heavenly tabernacle because it's things better it's a thing better and so here the writer of hebrews is saying the law was just a shadow it was a schoolmaster it would reflect it illuminated to an extent but it was not the real image we did not have the real image of what the new covenant was going to be and the full manifestation of the glory of god until when john chapter one whenever he said he came as the manifestation of the glory of god or as we say it the divine expression the uh, the expression of God in the earth. That's why he could say, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because no one could actually give the real image of the Father until what? Christ came. Because he was the divine expression. And here the law, he's saying, the law was a shadow. It was doing what it was supposed to be doing. But yet, it was not the very image of the things. So... Whenever I, you know, this right here, it, the way the way he showed me was, you know, all the the historical accounts in the Old Testament, you know, this was a physical representation of the Holy Spirit work inside of us today. So these battles, these struggles that they went through, the children of Israel went through, you know, that it uh, like taking ground or overcoming this and that. These are the battles within ourselves. That, that that was expressed physically through through the carnality of man in the Old Testament. Now we can apply those to our spiritual walk. So just like we'll we'll just take the 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 most the most prominent one is the children of Israel going into the Promised Land. Okay, so 
they they left Egypt. They was delivered from their bondage. Were born again. All right. When we go to the promised land, okay. The uh, uh, there were giants in the land. You know. Well, they were. There, here comes the fear. There's things in us that has to be overtaken, and we can't be afraid of those things, or else those things will always be there. But like Joshua, one by one, there's a king. One by one, he took out each one until they was all defeated. But one, he lost one battle because of uh, sin was in the camp. So all these things, the, all these historical, this is just one account. I mean, you can go through and, and, all, and all of them and pertain that to your life in some way or another in some battle that's going on with inside of you. And that's what this is for. Is That's what this is, the shadow of things that come. So when you read the Old Testament, you know, a lot of this is like, oh, man, it's just another. They're doing this and doing this. Well, think of it of what's going on inside of you and see how the Lord delivered them in that. And then search yourself and say, hey, do I have any of this in me that needs to be got out? And then confess it to the Lord and he is faithful and just to forgive you. And here he's then going on to expound and exegese a little bit more down here. Can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers unto their, their unto perfect. This is the shadow he's particularly talking about right here. That he's saying the sacrificial system was a shadow. And it was a shadow and not the real expression. Why? Because it was not perfect. Because it couldn't create you perfect. Now he created it perfect. Don't hear that wrong, that the Father messed something up. He did not. The Lord knew exactly the, the process he needed to take. Because honestly, the Israelites and the, even the Gentiles that would come into the kingdom like we are wouldn't understand the weightiness of holiness, sin, um, our need for a Savior, our need for redemption, absent of the law. So there was a process of maturation, a process of unraveling, a process of showing us the need for the Savior. And here, <clears throat> when, we, when we look at this, the law was perfect, as Psalm says, to convert the soul, which means what? To persuade us of something. That's what it was doing. The law was our school taskmaster. I mean, our school teacher. He was the one. The law was the thing that was showing us our need for a Savior, our inability to be living holy, and how our righteousness was as filthy rags. And that's why the shadow was named, because it could only shadow the forecoming sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world. But the problem was you kept having to come back every year to cover sins. But yet it still could not make you what? Hebrews 10, 1 says, perfect. Christ came to what? Make you perfect. This is, the, this is what the beautiful thing about the gospel is, is that Christ is making me something that religion keeps telling me to strive for. And so now you live your whole life trying to strive to become something that Jesus has already paid for. Yeah. And then you'll live under the bondwoman forever. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is far more amazing, good, and mesmerizing than we'd ever realize. And, and I think as people who just roll up our sleeves and get the job done and there's a little bit of pride in that I think a lot of us struggle with the gospel of Jesus Christ 
And we so struggle with that once we start to understand the true gospel, we start to almost afraid to preach it because, well, if I preach this, people's going to feel entitled to sin. People's going to feel entitled to this. Not if they really encounter Jesus. Like, we've got to stop making people's misapplication and abuse of grace a reason to neglect grace and let grace just stand on what God's created grace to be. And that was this grace is sufficient for thee. Just because some people's abuse tongues don't mean we throw it out. Just because some people throw the baby out with the bathwater, I'm not doing it. All right? Uh, I'm going to stand on what the Word of God says, and the gospel of God is really good. And my thing is, for one that is uh, uh, what we're saying is abusing grace, well, they're really just deceiving their self. They're not obtaining any grace at all. They are just, uh, they are self-justifying their actions. Yeah. And making themselves feel better under the cloak of grace yeah should i say you know uh, uh, yeah well it's uh, not a new argument yeah paul dealt with this exactly so and that's and that's just the nature of of uh, that's the the sin nature that you all was talking about uh or whoever who who, i don't know i've talked about so many people but (laughs) (laughs) but in which way uh, it is uh that's just it. it you know we are and we're all guilty of this in some way or another you know what i'm saying we can look back where we justified our actions within ourself you know to make it uh and then then of course the lord will deal with us and then we'll come and we repent you know and and then he'll make it clear but at the time it's uh i just i don't see us receiving grace when we're acting in that manner we're just acting in disobedience yeah Paul said, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. No. All right, first trivia question of the morning sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who was thought dead after falling out of a window during Paul's sermon? Who was thought dead after falling out of the window of Paul's sermon? We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Uh, We have an answer for our trivia question. It is Euclid, I think's how you say it. I'm not for sure, but E U T Y C H U S. Acts 20, verse 9. Paul preached so long that he fell asleep, fell out the window, died, and. Paul had to bring him back. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. All right. Um, Have you done that yet, Aaron? I know. Uh, Jason Miller won't let me. <laughs> Anytime I start going too long, I know. It's it's the watch. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Hey, but you, that could preach, though. Preach so, yeah. you yeah. know, continue if preaching you... the spirit that pe- people's flesh just start to die and go out the window. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, last night y'all were able to <laughs> preach the whole gospel in song. Yeah. Like 20-something minutes. In like 20-something minutes, and Jason said, all preachers in this room need to take notes. <laughs> I said, I'm upstairs. I can't hear you. I, uh, I, I'm just working the light. I'm just, just working, working the light. light. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to what you're saying right now. I'm just working the light. I can't hear you for the light. Sorry. <laughs> and so, well, we are coming back in from the break, so we're going to do our church history corner. Um, we're going to talk about the Second Great Awakening today, 1800s. The Second Great Awakening was a period of spiritual revival in the United States that occurred in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. It was marked by renewed interest in religion, an explosion of church growth, and a series of revival meetings that drew thousands and thousands of people. Some of the key features of the great, Second Great Awakening included this, an, infinite, an emphasis on personal salvation and evangelism, hoorah, see that again, a focus on the Bible as the ultimate authority for faith and practice, 
the growth of new religious denominations. This is where the Baptists and Methodists really expanded. Um, for instance, with, uh, let's see, your John Wesley kind of movement, your um, George Whitfield, that kind of area right here. And honestly, you know, a lot of things, Whitfield and Wesley was very much influential influential on Baptist and Methodist denominations and started the growth of them. A rise of reform movements such as, um, let's see, temperance, which were motivated by a desire to live out Christian values. So there was a lot of things such as communities being changed. Um, for instance, certain communities just stopped drinking alcohol altogether. It's like, we're done, no more. Um, there are stories of towns that used to print playing cards for poker and gambling and all that and they stopped making playing cards and they started to print bibles now i'm not anti-playing cards we played skip bow last night and i almost came back and beat them but well i didn't um but you know i but it was back then cards were much different and they were associated a lot of times with saloons and shootouts and death and gambling and all this but like full cities who was printing and making cards, they stopped and they started to print Bibles. Um, a lot of cities were actually transformed. And really the marker of a true revival is not how good your church services are. True revival is how much does your church impact in the community. And that's one of the biggest markers of revival because you can have good church services all day long. That's not hard. But whenever the kingdom of God is really grown and the spirit of God's really pouring and people's really being changed, your community is seeing an impact. Now, does ever community going to stop? Is all alcohol stores going to shut down? I don't know. We'll see what God wants to do. But at the end of the day, there's a real impact on the community. And that's what we saw during the Second Great Awakening was the real impact of revival, not just within the church house, but as well in the community. And whole movements were starting to see cities changed. And the growth of Christianity, the growth and the ex expansion of it really um, in the earth. And I know that I'm not a fan of denominations and everybody knows that about me. I'm okay with saying that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not Pentecostal. I'm not charismatic. I'm not Baptist. I just want to be a Christ follower. You're of the denomination of non-denomination. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't even like to call that. I just, I know. <laughs> I just want to be Bible. Yeah, um, but I do, I do think the, I do think there's a significance about the Baptist and the Methodist growing in this area, um, in the Second Great Awakening, because what it's really saying is the theology of the Christian Church was starting to advance a little bit, yeah. um, because even when the Puritans come over in the 1700s and really started to, well, you know, of course we know the original coming date but whenever really everything started to establish itself and get going with the church it is really awesome to see how the church being out under the governance of england and the church having a freedom to worship how we were we started to recapture some things that had been taken away because of bondage and restriction and state sponsored and state influence and state demanded religion and it is awesome to see just how, like, John Wesley goes about and saying, I just set myself on fire and people come and watch me burn. And the beautiful thing wasn't in the church house. He would go out into the coal mine fields and preach, and people would come to him. Now, he was in the church house a lot, too, but it just it's amazing to see the growth and the influence of the church 
growing in America during the second and first Great Awakening. And we're still awaiting the third Great Awakening. But um, that's my church corner for the day. Church history corner for the day. Alrighty. Um, let's see. Uh, our, we got a couple of questions we're going to hit today. In the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, does the phrase, my brethren, in verse 40, refer to Christians? Alrighty, well. Where we get? Matthew what? Matthew 25, 25, verse 40. Um, I'm making my way over in my handy-dandy notebook, phone, <laughs> Bible. Um. Matthew 25, verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of these, less of my brethren, you have done it unto me. So the question is, is that brethren believers, or is it something else? When you saw a... Let's, let's read the... Let's read what he's talking about here, because he's talking about when you... Uh, 38... Uh, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked or clothed thee or when saw we thee sick or in prison came unto thee and the king shall answer and say in the verily verily I say unto you and as much as ye have done one of these to the least of one of my brethren ye have done to me mm-hmm. um, I, can I say something real quick I don't after reading this I was looking through it, and I think the question is asking, is it saying, are they doing this, all of these things, to my brethren, which would usually refer to Christians. But it seems like the grammar here is saying he's talking to the brethren about doing these things to a stranger or the ones in prison or the sick. Yes. What do you all think? Way says, uh, Jesus says on these two commandments hangs the whole everything. That's love the neighbor, uh, love the God with all your heart, and all your soul, and your mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And this is what this is talking about right here. Regardless of, you know, we don't get to pick our neighbors. You know, uh, of course now it's just talking about our. I guess we do get to pick our neighbors if we weren't moving. <laughs> but, but in which way, what I'm saying is. This is, you know, if you're holding a grudge to somebody, you know, then what you've done to the least of these is what you've done to me. So, I can see what you're saying, though, Hannah. The question is asking, is the brethren meaning Christians? But it posed another question for me. Yeah. Where they think, like, it almost seemed like the question made it seem like this person who asked the question is thinking that Jesus is saying if you do if you did it to one of the least of my brethren but it doesn't say of my brethren it says of these my brethren yeah yeah Yeah. so i think he's talking about the the whether it's your brother or a stranger or whoever it is i think he's talking about your neighbor here you know he's talking to his brethren you know he's talking to the people who know to be the light of the world yeah and to be the salt of the earth and if the salt is lost its savor, you know, it's good for nothing. So you see somebody in need, whether they're saved or not saved, know the Lord, they don't know the Lord, you show them the, the love of the Lord. 
however that whatever that case may be Mm -hmm. hmm well i've never read it like hannah's telling me to read it because i've never i mean whenever i'm reading i'm I'm looking at grammar quite a bit too with the commas and the markoff because to say it like you're saying it technically in grammar it would be truly i saying to you as you did this to one of the least of these comma my brothers you did it to me the commas after my brothers so that's what i'm trying to figure out i even went back to other english translations because honestly the king james has different kind of grammar in a lot of areas and it it does trip you up if you're trying to just look at grammar based in the for instance we don't say fishes um so it's like Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that's a little bit different than king james but I don't know. I, I'm looking at it. You got me interested. Um, I do think the brothers here interprets to Christian brothers, and that if it's, it would fit even better here. What you're saying, Hannah, of <coughs> I say to you as you did it to one of at least one of these comma. Then he's saying, my brothers, you did it to me. But I don't know. I'd have to. It's tricky. I'm having to think on it. Hannah's got support. Jason Lee said, I think Hannah's spot on. You got support, Hannah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just with the, the with the I context, if you read the with the rest of what he's saying, it just doesn't seem like he's talking about brethren that whole time. Yeah, I think he's talking. Now, I think that it, it could all definitely include brethren because throughout the scripture talks about honoring, um, especially those in the faith. Yeah, but I just don't think he's exclusively talking about. Yeah, I the think brethren. I think he's addressing the brethren yeah, here that's what it seems yeah like. he's addressing the brethren on how to operate you know how to uh, carry themselves you know mm-hmm. he, he's he's teaching how to walk you know yeah. and if you you know if you claim to be one of mine and you see somebody in need and do nothing then you've done nothing to me you know you you know it's what he's saying mm-hmm. yeah so, but what's the context of this verse, which I think would come into play a little bit, which we're talking about the sheep and the goat, moving back up to 31. Mm-hmm. One of the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall he be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a sheep divided his sheep, I mean, sorry, as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So right now we have the separation. And I think the question about the sheep and the goats was just to tell you where it was at. I think the whole question was the brethren. Well, yeah, but you have to read the verse in the context. Well, I'm I'm talking about the question itself was just that that was just saying, hey, this is where it's talking about it. What was he meaning in this right here? But yeah, we'll go ahead. Well, to understand, yeah. I feel like to understand what he's saying, yeah, you have to understand the context of which it's being wrote, um, because that would influence it greatly. Because oh yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, so yeah. like this, yeah, so this is what's going to separate you. Yeah, if you if you do to the least of these, then you have done to me. So therefore, you will be one of my sheep. But if you do bad to one of these, you're going to be one of those goats. Let's see what he's saying. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So right now he's talking to those on his right hand. Yeah, the sheep. So 
so I guess they are on the right side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody just put their hand on their forehead. Oh, no, he did that, didn't he? All right, so um, so they're on the right side. He tells them, you're going to inherit. For I was, I was hungry, and you gave me meat. Yeah. So now in context, Jesus is telling them, you know, this is a consequence of you being on the right side. I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was yeah. a stranger, you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. So that's what Greg was reading earlier. Like yeah. those on his right hand are the sheep yeah. mm-hmm. that did these things. Yeah. And then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry and feed thee? So now they're getting confused. Now they're getting to the goats. Because now they're thinking, hold on, hold on. When do we do this? Like these yeah. are the ones on the right hand. They're oh. saying, mm-hmm. when we didn't or thirsty and gave thee drink. Um, they're like, I don't for sure when we gave you food or drink, Lord. Yeah, I don't remember seeing you. Yeah. And we could do that today. Like if, if if we're on that right hand of the separation of sheep and goats and Jesus says they did this and I'm like, I didn't I didn't walk with you, Lord. Like I mean I walked with you in unity and communion and in the spirit, but as for walking when you physically walk the earth, I never had the opportunity to give you drink. Mm -hmm. And this is what Jesus then says. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee, or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee. So he's saying, this is when you did it. This is when you did it. You saw somebody, and pop, you did it. In ESV 38 and 39, they're still asking Jesus a question. Yeah. And when did we see you a stranger? Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I was... I see that. You're getting uh, excited about yeah. verse 40. <laughs> and then the king answered and saying to them, very truly, this is a true statement, guys, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, yeah. my brethren, you have done it unto me. So that's the whole context in which we find it. So that's what Hannah was saying. Yeah. Well, we, we're just establishing at this point of, yeah. I do love the conversation that's being had here because I don't want to overlook that because the context is there's a group of people on the right side mm-hmm. that Jesus is saying, you've done this unto me. And they're like, no, I haven't. Like, when do we like do it? They don't even realize. And, yeah. and he's saying that once you've done it unto these, my brethren. Now. Because they were taking him literally and they weren't thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's almost as if, I mean, the spirit led them in what to do while they had these opportunities. But it's almost it's almost as if they didn't even understand the magnitude of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that happens a lot, like most of the time. You know, just a simple word to somebody, that just a kind word. We don't understand, or we may not even comprehend the magnitude that that may have on that person in a positive way, or maybe even a negative way. But, but you know, just just a simple word. If the spirit is prompt you to say, you know, whatever that may be, that may be the key that somebody needs to hear to unlock what it is that God has in store for them you know, mm-hmm. for their release. So we just yeah. don't know. He knows what we don't. I do think, too, I'll hurry up and say this because I know we got to continue going, but I was talking with Ethan about this, how it's interesting that all of these things, I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, I think here he really is meaning, I mean, if we're taking this for the context of what the Scripture is saying in this context, he's really meaning feeding people, like physically feeding people. Right, I we could agree so. on that. Mm-hmm. Physically feeding them food, physically giving them a drink, meeting people's needs, uh, yeah. welcoming a stranger, clothing those who need clothes, 
um, visiting the uh, sick in hospitals or wherever uh, in prison. So, like, it's interesting to me that these are all, like, basic acts of kindness meeting people's physical needs. And honestly, I feel like, I don't know, I was just kind of reflecting in my own life and just the body of Christ in general with this. I know that there's, like, a lot of different churches that have certain programs and things like that. But just the everyday believer, it just made me think, like, are we thinking about these things on our on a day to day? I don't know. Well, and on a and on a spiritual side of that too, you know, are you feeding those that are hungry? You know, are are you instant in season and out of season? Are you are you feeding people who's hungry for the word? You know, are you uh, clothing me the ones that are naked? Are you uh, letting people know the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ and how His blood covers them and not their own? self-righteousness you know we don't and then uh talking about the the sick the ones that that may be misunderstood or misled in the word or the ones that are in bondage the ones that are in prison the ones that are trapped you know in in depression and addiction are we visiting these people are we reaching out to these people are we trying to teach them are we trying to speak to them spiritually and trying to lift them up and edify and build you know, there's, and I do think it's both. Because yeah, I of, do too. Because of other scriptures yeah. that are in here, but yeah. I guess I was just really focusing on the and, original. Yeah, you know. and I and I don't want to take nothing away from that yeah. either. I'm just because he's just yes, he basically commanded us. Yeah, to do this that. is right. this yeah. right here is the physical thing that they were doing. Yeah, and I all I'm doing, I don't want to take nothing no, away no, from no. that. No, I, just I thought w- about that yeah, too. I want to sure. just, I yeah. don't, I just want to add, yeah, in yeah. addition to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do want to say this. This is not Jesus' way of saying that the way you get in the kingdom is just to give somebody water or oh, give them no. somebody food. This was a by. This was like a manifestation. Yeah. It was a. It was a rat, natural recourse of being transformed and yeah. being born again and blessed of the Father. Is that your heart is bent towards benevolence, kindness, yeah. um, providing for those yeah. and and now you'll know your brother and sister in Christ for the love they have for yeah. one another. I, I think I disagree with the ESV study notes on this area, though, because I was reading into while y'all was talking. And they said that it was probably bent more towards Jesus talking about his disciples, but I don't think so. I, I think this is talking about this would be one area that I believe it's probably geared as brethren into a statement of mankind, um, that we are there, because Jesus did that. Jesus Jesus fed those um for instance, Jesus multiplied the um, Jesus multiplied the five loaves and two fish mm-hmm. to a bunch oh. of people following and listening, but they weren't disciples because mm-hmm. they left. They yep. couldn't hear the hard sayings. They couldn't just, yep. but it didn't stop him from doing good. Yeah, and so I, I think Hannah's right. Like I think this is the because Jesus even tells us in one part, like I, I wish I remember this scripture quote. I may have to look it up during the break so I can give it. But he's talking about you know. If we just give them the gospel but no water, maybe been Paul. I don't know who did this. I'm going to look it up because it's in there. And like, I think a lot of times we have to do both. We have about to be the milk and the meat. Is that what? It no, is? there's oh. another scripture reference of. I have to look it up during the break. Okay. okay. But like we, I think the church is actually responsible to assist in the spiritual and in the natural. Yeah. And and so that's why I love ministries. I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to promote ministries, but like Samaritan's Purse. 
I think it's incredible. They're when when a tragedy happens, they're one of the first ones on site. They're they're bringing medical, they're bringing physical, they're bringing natural, but they're also bringing spiritual. And so I think that's the church, and that's what that's Jesus is saying. Like, you do it to the least of these, and and so you're basically you know when you give the somebody's hungry a double cheeseburger from McDonald's. In essence, you're doing it as unto the God. Yeah, and so, and I, I mean, again, I don't think that's getting you to heaven. So I don't want to misapply this text and say, well, they're on the right hand of the Father and they're sheep because they just gave money away and gave food, <laughs> and that's all you got to do. That that's not that's now not. We, we just discussed Jesus dead works. First. We already discussed dead works. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I would like to look into the Greek more on this because I really feel like these translations could have gotten the grammar wrong in that in that specific yeah um brother james rowe sent me the passion translation um which commas off my little ones but um i'm i'm hard with the (laughs) yeah um i have a i struggle with the passion translation so i i don't think it's a translation so um I have a hard time using that to reconcile or justify anything, um, which I've been pretty vocal about that. I'm, that's yeah. not a, that it's not a ma- hiding for me. I just yeah. I prefer the translation never to have existed or even come out because I refuse to call it a translation. So I, it's hard for me to use that to justify anything. Um, but it is, I I almost feel like there may be some grammar structure there that you know because when we say the Bible is inerrant. We're not saying that it is a, there's no ever issue with any kind of reprint or anything like that. The inerrancy of that is never changes. Yeah. It never changes. Like the 1611 King James that a lot of people, you know, stick to, that that went under rapid rev- um, review and edit quit it quickly, like very quickly, because there were so many grammar issues in there. Um, so that's where it's so important. If you're really going to get it, you almost have to go back to the Greek, and I'm just not smart enough to read the Greek grammar. So I can read Strong's and tell me what it translates to, but actually reading Greek and the grammar, so that's actually, a different story. I've got a Bible and that I go to every once in a while because it's hard because it it's in Greek and Hebrew, and you read it backwards, and underneath of it it has the the English, so it has the Hebrew and the English, and you got it's hard for me to read because I got to read from right to left. Because you, you, that's how Hebrew is, and uh, and I kind of go through there and try to, because I I thought, man, I'm going to teach myself how to read, you know, <laughs> Hebrew. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's good so that, far, so, not so good so far. So, now nah, I but, would not doubt the Holy Spirit if the Holy. Oh yeah, if the Holy he gets Spirit in can it, bring all things. Yeah, to, if, he, if he gets in it, there ain't. Yeah, no yeah. question. But I guess we're on a hard break here, ain't we? At eight o'clock. Oh, we yeah. we are coming up on these. Um, Oh, uh, I wish I could read Greek and Hebrew. I wish I could read Greek right now because I would like to. I would like to read this, and um, because as much as I hate to say it, um, I don't know. I don't know if they're if it reads like that or not. It looks like it should read like that, and, and then the I can see where it doesn't read. Translation. Like that. Maybe you should call it the Passion Interpretation. <laughs> well, okay. So those who've never heard my spell on the Passion, we got to. We do have to go. Um, like. I just really, Brian Simmons, I felt like just 
translated for the sake of tribal language. I think it was an interpretation. I think that's it was. That's my opinion. That's my yeah. only problem. That's my only problem with it is like there's so many words added. Yeah. Like we're talking about it in it when it was interpreted. So interpretation. Well, it, when when it was translated, I mean, yeah. we're looking at 300, 250% more words in some passages. Is it supposed to be a paraphrase or a word for word? Well, it was supposed to be a paraphrase. But then, like honestly, a lot of a lot of your Christian stores took it off the shelf. Bible Gateway took it off their website. Um, the U version still has it in there, of course. I think it does. But and I'm not trying to pick on it. And, no. and I mean, Brother James knows I'm not trying to be yeah. mean or harsh or anything like that. I just I don't know. Like it's hard for me to to use it to actually prove a biblical point because I don't believe it's well. The, and and also he's been proven wrong on some of his. Um. Bible translation is no joke. Like, yeah. if you're going to tell me you did a Bible translation and you never studied Greek or Hebrew, I got a problem. And the moment you tell me that he has mysteries of the Aramaic language from the Aramaic text, there is no Aramaic text of the Scripture. We don't have an Aramaic text. Yeah. So where are you getting this from? And then he did make a statement. I've heard it with my own ears, and others can confirm this, that he said the Lord gave him secrets to the Bible that has not yet been released, and he's going to release a book of the Bible one day that no one's ever seen. So, like... Basically, yeah. that's that's it in a nutshell. He may have not said it just like that, but he said there's mysteries. There's more to this than anybody's ever known. There's mysteries, and he said he said that God revealed unto him the love language of the Bible, and it was Aramaic. Well, there is no Aramaic text. It was Greek, Hebrew, with a few Aramaic sayings. Yeah. So I'm really having a lot of great concerns because to me it feels, and I mean this is just my opinion. I won't even let you know it is. It feels a little Joseph E. Smith. Because there was like an angel spirit. So I don't know what it was. Yeah. I've heard the story. I just really concerned. I'm concerned about the translation. I got you. Um, and I, I've said that quite a bit. And anybody looks it up, you can look up Mike Winger, Bible thinker, um, Brian, Brian Simmons, Passion Translation. He has like a three-hour video on this. Yeah. And he does much more in depth than I've gone. So, all right, let's read our first, second trivia question before I break rules. Uh, I got to do this. Tuesday question, Thursday question number two, sponsored by Higgin Land Survey. What wife of David was the mother of the rebellious? Um, I always, I can never say this. Jason can't say Sapphira. Um, I can't say this. So somebody help me out here. Adonijad, Adonijad, Jod. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a very familiar word. Like, I can usually, Adonijah, Adoniah. I don't know. Like, where are we at? I don't know. Adonijah. I don't even know where we're at. Jason can't say Sapphira. I've never been able to say this word. So I don't preach from text from it. Well, it's kind of weird because it sounds like Adonai, but it's Adonaiah. Adonaiah? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with Hannah. Thanks. All right, we're going to be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. We are back on this beautiful, beautiful December 14, 2023. We don't answer yet for that trivia question. It could be because I can't pronounce the name and nobody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> but what wife of David was the mother of the rebellious, um, what did you say, Hannah? Adonaya. Adonaya. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. That means. Well, you know what's ironic about that though? Huh. They were rebellious, but their name means. Hold on, let me find it. The name Adonaya means, "My Lord is Jehovah." Yeah. So Adonaya. One thing I did learn that I have learned so far uh-huh. about that Bible is telling you about that J A H. On it, that's. That is y'all. That's God. Yeah. So 
Yah. It really probably Adonai Yah is my Lord is God, but there's some you know some people call God Jehovah. So one of those one of the definitions said that, but it's probably more my Lord is God. Yeah, or my name is my Lord is Yahweh. Yahweh. So Yah is God. I do know that. That's. Well, that yeah. was awesome, Greg, because I didn't know. Normally, when you see Yah meaning God, it would be like Yahweh. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess it's just any, because J-A-H makes yeah. the Yah sound. So, And uh, a lot of this learning is coming from what I, I was telling you about that study and the Doing names. the genealogy. The genealogy names and what each name means. And So yeah. if I learn the names, I'll learn how to pronounce them. If Probably. you learn the names, you're going to learn more about whenever you're going, and this <laughs> one begat that, and that one begat that, and you go through all this, and, you know, it's just like... My, my problem is I know what these guys did. I just still can't pronounce their their names. <laughs> yeah. Why couldn't we have biblical names of Bob and <laughs> Doug and because Frank? Because our, our Lord <laughs> is a little kidding. deeper. I'm sorry if there's a Aaron. Frank. I don't know what your name means. That was a joke. But. Jason. Yeah. Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, because well, there are Aaron. <laughs> yeah, our Lord, our Lord's deeper than we are. That's why there's a Jason. In the yeah, Bible. but he could understand that us redneck boys don't have the capacity to say these. That's why we're not to lean on our own understanding. Well, Hannah says that's why people like me. <laughs> <laughs> my in my inability to speak well is the reason that people like me. They can relate to my inadequacies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's move on. Let's move on. So. I feel like we answered number four. I feel yeah. like we did it pretty well. Maybe we went in depth on that one. Um, now, let's move on. Explain Mark 16, 17 through 18. Explain Mark 16, 17 through 18. Oh, at first I thought it meant like chapter 16. Like, well, we're going to be here a while. Yep. Well, but we know what. 16, 17. We're, we're just... taking a break from Hebrews for a while. <laughs> it's going to be a long question, guys. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to get over to Mark 16. <clears throat> Verse 17 and 18. It's very, it's a very familiar text. We're going to start in 15 to read for context, though. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any dead thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so, um, don't play with snakes. That's not what it's saying. Um, just saying. For liability's sake, I am not encouraging you. I'm just kidding. No. Uh, he's saying here that these signs, so he, he's commissioning them. This is what he's doing. This is a commission. And up here he's saying, at first, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, again, that creature... We're not to go preach to puppy dogs and kitty cats. That's not the insinuation here. He's saying basically in this, and if we look this up here in... ESV says whole creation. Whole creation. Um, basically, I think he's just talking about just preach to everybody. Every single person. Yeah. Um, Do not just preach to one people group. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see here. Well, let me tell you this. I want to testify to the Lord. Uh so I had to go do an inspection, mm-hmm. and there were two Great Pyramid dogs out there. And you now, preached them? I didn't preach to them, oh. but, but I I did. I reminded the Lord 
what he done with Daniel, and I asked him to do the same for me. <laughs> Keep these dogs' mouths shut <laughs> so that I could get out and do my inspection. Well, he did. You know, they didn't even come around me. They they went and they laid down in the driveway and went to sleep while I was there. And then I talked to the homeowner, which I tried to call before I got out of the truck. He didn't answer. He called me back like an hour later and uh, told him, I said, well, I was already there. You passed your inspection. I just want to, you know, I was checking about your dog. He said, well, they didn't bite you, did they? I was like, no, they didn't. He said, well, sometimes they do. You got to watch them. So I was like, thank you, Lord. You know, so. Thank, good, thank you know, God for that discernment. My thing is, you know, I see this, you know, pre- preached every creature. Well, to me, it's just, you know, living the word of God out, you know, and that simple thing. I mean, yeah, it's a funny story, but I I do want to give thanks to the Lord for that because I believe that he did that, you know. I could see and, some kids preaching to their pets. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I not that I preach to these creatures, <laughs> but, you know, in a sense, that's what I've done, you know, because these creatures was out there and they were big and uh, I didn't want them to bite me. So there's that. I don't know. Did you exert authority? No, I did did not do anything. I prayed after I didn't get no answer from the homeowner. I just prayed to the Lord, and I got out, and I done my inspection. I didn't even look at them. I just just went on and did what I had to do, and I got back in the truck really quick. uh, Hey, that could be a message right there. Well, I thought you was going to say you preached to them, and they fell down and wept and cried. Oh, no. No, no, no. I didn't talk to them. I didn't say a word to them. I just, uh, but my thing is, that when I think of creatures, I'm that's what I'm thinking about, you know, uh, not that I'm talking to them, but I'm talking to the situation. Think Does of that, the dogs as the enemy, <laughs> and you're going to do the assignment God's laid out before you, you, and go. you're not even looking at the enemy. You're not letting them bother you. Yep. You go, you accomplish your assignment, you get back in the car with Jesus, and you keep going. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> you go. Well, I'm gonna Actually, st- you never leave Jesus. I'm going to stick to, I believe, the creature's people. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Preach the gospel it, it, to every yeah. every tribe, every tribe, every person. And I think that's important because I, I do think it's saying that we don't get to choose who we pick to, to receive the gospel or not. We just yeah. open the doors. Yeah. And and I think that is significant because he's saying everyone. And then he says, he that believeth. So again, contextually, that's why I believe the creature here is talking about exclusively to people because he says he, which is a term of mankind. He that believeth. And here he's not saying it's just exclusive to men. He's saying yeah. he is in a term of mankind yeah. that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, that is tricky. The question is not about baptism this time, so I get a little, whew, I don't have to cover it. Um, but, no, I we, we've actually did a lot of work on that in his baptizing. Is baptism a essential to the the gospel it's jesus plus nothing here is saying he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved we've done a lot of work on that so i'm trying not to get hung up on that but he that believeth shall not be damned (laughs) now again he's saying he that believeth shall not be damned and these signs shall follow them that believe so i think here it's very significant to note that he's saying these signs shall follow these signs are never the pursuit. It's not saying them that believe shall pursue these signs and they're going to happen. I think this is where we have to desire the gifts, but it's never our pursuit. So my pursuit is what? Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I desire the gifts to magnify Jesus more. I desire the gifts to be able to tell other people about Jesus more effectively. I desire the gifts so that I can... 
help grow the church, but I'm not pursuing the gifts. And that's where sometimes I'm a little bit afraid that the Pentecostal charismatic movement sometimes goes is they're, des- they're, they're pursuing the gifts. And I think there is a, there is, you know, there is an idea of pursuing gifts, but I really think contextually and more accurately translated, it's going to be desiring. Desire. Like, Lord, I desire to have these gifts, but you're still my pursuit. And when we pursue him, these things start to naturally follow. And when we desire it, whenever the Lord says he'll give us the desires of our heart, they're not fleshly. Like, he's not just going to, if we're desiring these gifts because we want to use it to build our own name up and get all the glory for it and be a superhero, then we're not really desiring what he's desiring. Mm -hmm. Because he never wanted to give it to us to build us up. He only gives it to us to build the kingdom up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've always, the way he showed me on the desires was he has desires and he places his desires in us. So he gives us the desires of our heart. So it's not that we desire these things within ourselves. It's he places these desires within us to desire it. Like without him, we couldn't even desire these things that we desire. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It does. And going back to the baptizing, I open this can of worms. Oh, like, I don't want to do it today. Just for a quick, just oh. real quick. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> you know, and, and if you want to believe it's water, that's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I don't take it away from anybody, but. You know, it's one thing to be converted and to believe in Jesus. You know, he's your Savior. But to be baptized is when he becomes your Lord. And you die to yourself. You have went down in the resurrection. You come up in a newness of life. That is to be born again. And that is the, you know, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, however you want to look at it or whatever. But the bap- to be baptized means that Jesus Christ, you are covered in Jesus Christ. That's that's the baptism that I see because, like you said, it's Jesus plus nothing. You know, I did get baptized, and I wanted that desire was put in me mm-hmm. to be baptized after I received Christ and accepted him and made him Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to the question. I'm, I'm cheating today because I've dealt this baptism yeah, thing no, a I'm, lot. I'm, that's all um, I just want to— well, no, I'm, I, I'm sure I'll deal with yeah. we'll we'll deal with a lot more because it's a very important issue. Like yeah. it's a very important issue because we don't want to get the gospel wrong. Right. Um, but here I'm trying to answer the question faithfully. I do think it's worth really um, talking about here in the context here as well. As we go forward with him, these followers were never pursuing to cast out devils. They were not trying to go around saying. All right, you got a devil. Let me cast gonna, that out for you. I'm going to speak new tongues. I'm going to yeah. take him. That was not their mission. Their mission was to go with him and preach, and preach the gospel. And as they were preaching the gospel, these things were following because they were natural recourses of marching forward in the advancement of the kingdom. Yeah. It's nothing what they was doing. It's what the kingdom was so doing. So when a devil read their head, reared its head, they cast it out. Yeah. I really like the ESV word that they use. What like, do they use? I think sometimes the word following in this sense can get a little bit mixed up with different things, but they use the word, uh, these signs will accompany. Yeah, accompany. Mm-hmm. And I like that because that's more of, if something is accompanying you, I don't think that's ever leading you. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think the word accompany would ever connotate to leading somebody. Mm-hmm. Accompanying is like coming alongside of you yeah. if you need help. Like, uh, what's the word? 
not just accompanying, but um, oh, com- complimenting, mm-hmm. complimenting, yeah. and that it's walking beside for the for a purpose. And I like how that the I think it was Andy Reese we had on. He was talking about spiritual gifts and talking about them as different tools. Yeah, because they are they're tools. Yeah, the mm-hmm. gift is never the pursuit. So my mission actually is not to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. My mission is to preach the gospel. Yeah. What accompanies and confirms that is the laying hands on the sick. Um, without love, you're, they're ineffective. You're a, you're a Dollar Tree symbol anyways. So um, you don't got no A custom. You're a Dollar Tree symbol. Yeah. And and so I think that's something to always be caught in. A, not, we want to see people healed. We want to see the demons yeah. cast out. We want to see that. But this is where, like, your snake handle on church get it wrong. Yeah. They're tempting. They're mocking. They're, yeah, it's what they're pursuing. So I'm going to intentionally go up and pick up a snake. Well, Paul did not intentionally stick his hand into the fire so the python could get him. Yeah. Right? It was, he put it in there just following Christ because in this following Christ, he ended up on a desert island yeah. and he goes to make a fire and the snake bit him. And what happens? Nothing. But he didn't. He didn't bring a box of snakes with him on the journey. <laughs> and whenever he was preaching the gospel, hey, look, guys, I'm going to take up the snake. Like that's where. Yeah. But we, I, I did the snakes on purpose on first because we see the ridiculousness in yeah. that. Yeah. But also, we've got to be careful not to take our little box of healings yep. and just open it and say, "Who wants that?" Like, yeah. we're like we're, we're not. It. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes we act like we're the Santa Clauses of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And we're just distributing everything. It's still God's sovereignty. And it's still God's goodness. And and we can't keep prostituting and pimping out God's. Yep. And I know that's harsh language, but it's truth. Like, that's it's what we've done. Is, yeah. We've prostituted the gifts, and we've taken our box full of tricks, put them in front of people. And instead of preaching the gospel, we're just trying to impress people to pick the fact that we can pick up a snake or that we can lay hands on somebody. And, and we failed to preach the real thing, and that is salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you can heal everybody in the world. But if they don't get saved, Actually, it's only a temporal. You can't because Jesus, or I think it's Deuteronomy, says, I, even I, kill yeah. and make, give life. I wound and I heal. I I can't remember how it yeah. goes, but it, it's I. It, it, the Lord says that. You know, So even the healings that's taking place is not done by any man. It's it's not done at all. It's not performed by any man. It's not any of that. It is the Lord doing the work. It is the Lord doing the work. I'm just using a theoretical statement of well, saying, I'm just, it, like, yeah. well, I mean, like, we can go and do, and there was a group of people that went and did exorcism and put mm-hmm. crosses on fire on people's of, chests and well, sons of Skiva, the they, got, yeah. they got stripped There's, naked, beat, yep. and ran into the street. But <laughs> if we are... <laughs> Make that just uh, jingle. That's my next jingle. <laughs> but if people know about... The healing of God, yep. but never the salvation of God. What did we really accomplish? Exactly. And at the end of That's the day, the, the greatest the mission face. is the gospel. The heart. Healing, casting out devils, taking up serpents, drinking deadly things. Those are things to accompany, to follow, that naturally happen in the course of the main thing, preaching the gospel. And you this, know, this has come to me. So I'll, I'll make this real yeah. quick. This has come to me. Jesus says, you are always looking for a sign. Mm-hmm. That's what he told them. And that's what this is. Everybody's looking for the next sign, the next healing, the next demon to be, you know, the next, next, next thing that they can see so that they can believe. Yeah. You see what? And it, it's just like, a, 
Yeah. It's, yeah. it's shallow. Go ahead. Hannah. Hannah. Hmm. Um, I was just thinking about Aaron often says, once you get this right, pointing to his heart, and then mm-hmm. he points to his hand and say, you'll get the hands right. Yeah. And I think normally when we're talking about that, we're talking about, like, our actions. When we get our heart right, our actions are going to, yeah. you know, start to line up with the word. But I think that's also true for the gifts. Oh, 100%. Because the gifts are happening with our hands. Yeah. And if our heart's not right, then they're going to be just dis- tools can either be used to destroy or build. Yeah. And we're going to destroy if we don't get the heart right. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably one of my greatest things is like I've seen thousands and thousands of people come to a healing service. And yet the gospel is never preached. Well, it's, and that goes back to what I was saying. I, I need, I want to see something. I want to see something. Lord, show me, show yeah. me, show me. Because I don't believe. I need you. I need to see yeah. with my own eyes. You know, I, I need to see. I want to. Yeah. I need a sign. Now, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. I, I think that deliverance, healing, supernatural protection, all these things that are involved in Mark sixteen are very much real, very much applicable, and very much should be happening in the Church of Jesus Christ. I just don't think that's supposed to be my main focus. My yeah. main focus is him and telling the whole world about him. Yeah. And all I can is saying these tools are walking alongside of me as gifts to confirm his word and to to manifest him in the earth and show his glory. But I don't think he'll continue to show his glory in a people that's refusing to tell people who he is. And so we like if you only know Jehovah as Jehovah Jireh, but never Jehovah my salvation, well, you'll go to the grave knowing he's a healer, but never knowing him. Yep. And unfortunately, you might you might know Jesus as a healer, but that's not enough to save Turn you. Turn for me, you work with Nick. We, I yeah. never knew you. Didn't I do this in your name? Didn't yeah. I do that in your name? I yeah. never knew you. Yeah. And, and that's I don't, seeking a hand and not the face. Yeah. That's, or the, not his heart. That's... Yeah, that's what I always the way I always you know yeah. people want it's his hand, they don't seek his face, and I, I I want his face because his his face is beyond his hand. It's closer, <laughs> it's closer than his. You know, you're even closer when you get past his hand and you get face to face. Yeah, man, that just hit me right there. Well, I mean that's that's, that's what communion represents. Yeah. Um, we're gonna do a communion service on Christmas Eve here. And for me, I, it's not a religious thing for me. A communion is literally birthed from the word unity, conform into unity. And so here we are. What Christ did was to bring me into unity with him and his wholeness, not just his hand and his methods. And so I'm trying to get into his heart, and he's trying to make room in him for me. And in my father's house is many rooms, basically saying, He's trying to bring us into who he is, and I become the habitation of the Spirit of God, not the visitation of his hand. And Moses had the opportunity to see the glory of God pass by. We have the opportunity through Christ to have the glory of God to dwell in us. And so that's a beautiful thing. And it's and even Jesus starts to talk about, um, you know, he, he presses it farther, and, you know, he says the law was dealing with the hand. Grace is dealing with the heart. Mm-hmm. Because he said, with the with the law, you touched a woman, you committed adultery. Under grace and under the new covenant, if you lust after one, what's he really saying? The heart. The grace is not going after your hand so much as it's going after your heart. Because if you get your heart right, you get your hand right, and if you get the hand right, then you get everything else. Like it's just a natural recourse. 
And um, man, I, the whole hand and heart thing—it's just sparking a bunch of things. I'm right telling now. you that that just really. Like when Greg was talking about it being closer, I was just thinking about yeah. how whenever you're giving someone something all the time, you're keeping them at an arm's length. Yeah, but when you got his face, you're past his hands. You don't have that separation because if you're extending, mm. if he's extending his arm out, there's like an arm's length between you, us. There's distance. But mm-hmm. his heart is right there as close as possible. Yeah. I just love that. Um, yeah. One listener said, while I agree, some have went overboard with the gifts. Some churches only preach salvation messages when they called to equip. We also need to remember the Greek word for sal- saved is a saved, same for healed, sozo. It all needs to be preached and taught because Jesus does it all. I, I completely agree yeah. with that. Um, and yeah. We just that's, need to seek him um, and he'll work it out and quit I, trying to do it within ourselves. Um, when I preach on Sunday morning, most of the time I want to preach to equip the church to go preach the gospel. And I think that's where the missing part is. The five-fold ministry was not there to do all the work of the ministry. And that's what this is what Mark 16 is talking about. Those disciples, followers of Christ, this is what they're going to, they're supposed to go. And what's the Bible say? We all are supposed to do the work of evangelists. We're all called evangelists. Because we're all commissioned to go, so on Sunday morning, you're not to as a pastor. You're not doing the work of evangelists. As a pastor, you're preparing the people to walk this out, so they can be an evangelist in all the earth, and they can overcome, and they can walk in victory, and they can walk in a testimony, and they can go and preach the gospel. They can go witness to their neighbors. They can live a life that's a testimony to those watching because they have patience and purity in their persevering and and to the world to the watching world they're a light that cannot be hidden they're the salt of the earth but our mission on sunday morning is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we can all come into the perfect man of unity that we can actually go and preach the gospel and be effective in all cylinders this is where we have got it wrong and i agree with it um that sunday morning is not the salvation message Sunday morning is the equipping of the saints to go preach the salvation message and live out the salvation message. The main mission of the church as a whole has to be preaching the gospel, though. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is, is, is the mission. And the, the only thing Scripture says we're all going to have in common for mission, mission is what? Being evangelists. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's really the only thing as doing. The rest of the parts is like every member has his own thing. One body, many members. We're all got different callings. We all got different things. The one calling that we all share is what, though? Follow Jesus. That's it. Evangelism. That's what we're all Go called to do. The, the Great Commission. And Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel yes. to the whole. Now, nation. my life wants to be a follower of Christ, but to actually do something with my life in commissioning from the Lord, it's to go and preach the gospel. And, and that is a universal. If, if you're not following Christ, that's my so, thing. So your number one has to be, your number one focus has to be the Lord. Well, if you're so that He can instruct you where to go, what to say, how to say it, and how to conduct yourself. And as far as the fivefold ministry, all that He will put all that in place because He is the architect, not us. And if we, you know, we, and I think you was talking about this um, one time or another, how how ministry can. Uh, uh, kind of get uh, just kind of take over and steal your focus from the Lord because you get so consumed in doing the work of the Lord that you forget to to seek the Lord, you know, doing mm-hmm. the Lord's work. And uh, so that's why I think the the main focus should always be Jesus Christ 
and then allowing him to instruct you in a way to go because he's going to do his will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when Paul walked into the street, Paul was walking into cities preaching the gospel. Uh, Peter walked into the street. His shadow started getting people healed. Healings, deliverance, and all this, they're a natural consequence of the kingdom of God being built. And so whenever Jesus rebuked the devil, that one kid or that one person, which story was this? And he said, today the kingdom of God has come unto you whenever this deliverance happened. All right, so the kingdom of God made manifest right there. But Jesus' mission was to not go into the city and just drive out demons. Jesus' mission was to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what it is like Matthew 24. The end shall come when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to all people. And now when the gospel of the kingdom preached, the kingdom of God's come. So healing, deliverance, radical transformation. If a snake jumps up and you're doing the work of the Lord, Paul didn't die. Um, And so I think this is, I, I love Mark 16 just because it reminds us that like before, before you have the gift of healing, you're commissioned to go. And here's why sometimes I believe churches are looking for something but not receiving it is because we're looking for that something to only happen within our four walls. And Mark 16 is telling us when we go and do it, it follows. And so that's why a lot of times I think a lot more real miracles may happen in Walmart than they do happen in the church. Because even in the church, what happens in the New Testament Christianity, What wh- when do you see healings happening within the church? When those who are sick call the elders mm-hmm. and they anoint them and lay with oil. Not whenever Paul said, now tonight we're going to do a huge healing service. <laughs> and I, and and you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. at that point, our intended target and solely our target is just that manifestation of the Spirit. And here is saying, as we go and preach, these signs shall accompany, follow. They're going to go with us. But if we're not going and preaching to every creature. And the reason why is because of they believe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's they believe and they trust and they know the Lord. And that's why these things follow them. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Moses didn't enter the promised land because of his unbelief. And when we enter his rest, it's because we cease from our works and we trust him. And we follow him. Yeah. We do what he have us do. Um, Brother Adam said to be a follower is to do what he did. That is preach, heal, and point others, everyone to relationship with the Father and help others get the same. Get people to Jesus. Amen. And Jesus is the divine expression of the Father. So um, good conversation. I enjoy this. We're going to take a quick break, um, take a breather, and then we're going to come back and finish out the last 15, 20 minutes of this broadcast. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here on this beautiful, beautiful day here in the neighborhood, December 14, 2023. This is the only December 
14, 2023 that you will ever have. And my mic literally oh. just came off the stand. <laughs> I had that happen once. <laughs> I did too, but not during the broadcast. Not during the broadcast. Oh, so y'all going to take over because I got to fix my mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Tighten mine up too. Just <laughs> Greg's sure. tightening his just in case. Just in case. I want to make sure mine don't fall off because that happened to me a couple weeks ago. Uh, so where was we well, at? Well, this has been a good conversation. Yeah. We were talking about the tools. Did we answer the question? Well, it was really just explain that okay. that section. So really, okay. they didn't give us any so, guardrails. Okay, so, so we, we can went just run with everywhere. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, did we? Did we answer it? You know what I'm saying? Did I feel like we had a good conversation? I feel like we covered a lot there. I feel like we explained it pretty yep. well. I mean, do we have now, another one or? Th- we there or do are we need some. To continue with this one. Oh, I mean, we could continue to to dissect it. All right, my mic's fixed. <laughs> it literally fell. Y'all couldn't see it, but literally <laughs> just yeah. fell off. Like it was awesome. Um, I'm glad my hand was there. That's. Do you remember that happened to me? <laughs> I do. A couple weeks ago, yeah. I was messing with it. Next share we're going to have to buy a new stand so we stop breaking. <laughs> do we have any more questions left over? I think we've caught up on questions know, at the moment. I, I really like verse 14. Like, I feel like we skip over it. We like, we just 14. go to the Great Commission, but we forget that Jesus appeared. Well, hold 14 for a second. Okay. Uh, Miss Mary Royalty, she didn't answer the second trivia question today. They didn't get one for the first, the second break. So what wife of David was the mother of the rebellious? Um, what is it, Hannah? I hate this word. Adonai. Adonai, thank you. Um, Jason struggles with Safara. I struggle with Adonai. Um, it just like doesn't you know look that. like it. That's just me. I just don't think it looks like that. Well, so, a J is a yeah. Yeah, it's a jaw. All right, <laughs> yeah. Um Adonai, yeah. yeah. All right, but I did look this up on how'd you say, so I know this. Hagith. <laughs> that is how they say it. Hagith. That is the correct pronunciation according to how'd you say. All right, so Hagith, Second Samuel 3, 4. Mary Royalty got that correct. So did she congr- say it, pronounce it right? Yeah. Yeah, most nice. listeners, they teach me on wow. the break. I See, I, this is what happens. I just wait for a lot of listeners to say the name. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Great job. <laughs> now I know how to say it when I come back. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Well, that'd be funny if you just spelled it to everybody. Like, you just never pronounce it. You're like, yes, it's H-A-G-G-I-Z. Well, sometimes I do get somebody who spells it. I'm like, could you say that so I know how to say it? Because <laughs> if you say it wrong, then I follow you. It's your fault, not mine. All right. Um, all right. That's why we follow Jesus. <laughs> well, okay. All right. No, just kidding. Good point. No, but verse 14, like, whenever I was reading this the night before, or when the questions were sent out it was like and normally i don't always like i don't like really meditate and think about everything i'm gonna talk about or anything like that but i just like to read it at least read it yeah and i was just thinking about like jesus rebuking them he afterward he appeared to the 11 as they were reclining at a table (laughs) that's esv Sorry. I like it. To me, I just think about a recliner. They, they didn't have back. recliners. When they're they in the Lazy Boy, yeah. <laughs> eating their meat. <laughs> they were reclining. But, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Yep. And then he immediately just started telling them the Great Commission. Like It's like he rebuked them, but I think sometimes we think if the Lord rebukes us, like we're just... 
I don't know, we're done, done for mm-hmm. or something. But like he rebuked them and like they were his his brethren, like they were his disciples and they had unbelief and hardness of heart. So I don't know. It just made me think like I'll read the King James. After he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and unbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And so unbraided is what the King James says. Which means rebuke. Which means rebuke. So So I like it better than the ESV when it says he was in the lazy boy. Uh, (laughs) Recline. Recline (laughs) position. But I don't know. I just, I was just visualizing that and thinking about that. Well, there's, there's key things to that. When he appeared unto the, the 11, okay? So they, they didn't have eyes to see. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a times that, that we don't have eyes to see. That the Lord has to appear to us and has to show us things. You know? Mm-hmm. And 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 he's got to strengthen us. This is the Holy Spirit working in us. You know, it has to get uh, somebody else say a word that has nothing to do with it, but it will spark something in us and the Lord will reveal something in us and give us strength in that area or whatever that was. And that's how we know that it's the Lord when he, uh, when he reveals himself mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a key verse. He appeared unto the eleven. So he revealed himself to them. So and that just whenever he reveals himself to you, that gives you strength. You know, that gives you power in whatever that is. When he rebukes you too. Like yeah. in this sense I'm like like Thank God he rebuked them. Yeah. He chastises <laughs> those that he loves. He corrects because those. Because if he wouldn't have rebuked them, then, I mean, he's going on and telling them what they're, basically their future. He's mm-hmm. lining out their future for them. And I don't know. I yeah. just, I mean, it, it doesn't always feel good, mm-hmm. like, to your flesh. I mean, obviously yeah. it's not going to feel good to your flesh to be rebuked. But, I mean, I'm so thankful for it. I mean, just think about Esau and Jacob. He never done anything to Esau. He never corrected him, never did that. He just let him go his own way without the Lord. How awful. How scary would that be? I am so thankful that he rebukes me and he corrects me and he guides me. You know, he's there to chastise me when I do wrong, to teach me to do it right. Mm-hmm. If he did, if he just t- didn't say anything, if he turned his face from me, I just had this conversation the other day. If he was to turn his face from me, I would be, it. W- without him, I would be, Everything that I'm not now, everything that I was, that's what I would be without him. And I wouldn't know any different. Because of him, he's changed me and made me different and made me what I am now. And the only good in me is him in me. And if he was to turn away from me, I would go right back to the to the old me because I didn't. there was nothing I did in myself. I wouldn't be able to see the right path to take to, to, to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, I just I was reading other translations because I wanted to see uh, <laughs> any more lazy boys now, over. <laughs> no, but now I am a if I'm doing a paraphrase New Living Translation, so I actually never I'm not I am not like promptly strongly against the message like I am the Passion. Uh, I just don't read it much. I prefer the New Living Translation as a paraphrase. But here's what the message says, Hannah. Still later, as the eleven were eating supper. He appeared and took them to tasks most severely. 
<laughs> he took them to task most severely for their stubborn unbelief, refusing to believe those who had seen him rise up. I, I like, like that. The, I feel like that's more confusing. Sounds like he. It sounds like he. Uh, <laughs> the way it is, is he didn't like, spare the rod. <laughs> yeah, sounds like he's getting after him with that and that translate or that interpretation. Oh. It's like. Hey, what are you all doing? Tasked most severely. Up. Get off your high and Get on your feet and get out here and do these things I commanded you to King do. New King James says sat at the table. Yep. Yeah. Um, did King James say sat at uh, the table? Yeah. Yeah, sat, sat, at, sat meat. At, at meat. At meat. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's me. That's, that's, that's my favorite version of this one because yeah. they threw the word meat in there. Yeah, when they sat at meat, they're just eating dinner. When they sat down to yeah. eat their meat. See, that's my diet. So, yeah. so my diet would be... When they sit out to eat their mac and cheese and meat and bread <laughs> and sweet tea. NLT says, as they were eating together. That's boring. We don't want that one. <laughs> but then it goes on to say, he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief. Yeah. Because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Yeah. The thing that sticks out to me is he appeared to them. And that's whenever he gives you revelation. Yeah. Whenever he reveals things. We'll let Greg be positive them. here. We're going to be... He rebuked them. He, ah. They oh, got in trouble by dad. Oh, well, that's that's it. But that's what <laughs> that's I'm saying. Whenever he reveals himself to you, he yeah. says, hey, I am the yeah. Lord. Yeah. And I am right. I do things. That well, the right. fact that's he appeared to him, he loved them. Yeah. He wouldn't appear to somebody he didn't love. Exactly. But the thing that stu- the things that stuck out to me was unbelief and hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. And I think he knew that if they continued in that unbelief and hardness of heart, how were they going to fulfill the Great Commission? They could. Yeah. You can't. Yep. So, I mean, that just made me think, like, about the body of Christ right now. It made me think about my own life, my own heart. Like, I we can't continue in unbelief and hardness of heart. Yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll try to stop being jokey for a second and be serious <laughs> with you all. Um, I do think it's important to note what Hannah's saying, that there is a clear understanding that they were struggling with hardness of heart and unbelief. unbelief. Yeah. And I don't think it was just they were wicked it was that they were probably hurt they were struggling to comprehend they were trying to unpack everything Um, but yet here's what i think is right and i think this is what is awesome about this verse is it displays the grace of god um and and this is what happened this is what's happening is this they are in trouble per se but yet they're not disqualified yeah Mm -hmm. But we can uh, we can apply this to ourselves. How many times has the Lord delivered us? And how many times does the next thing come and we just think it's over? And we just think, oh, woe is me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How many times do we struggle with doubt and unbelief, you know, even though the Lord has delivered us? Just like, you know, you go back, I, just like I said earlier, these the children of Israel, God deliver them, deliver them. What they do? They fell into fear and unbelief. He deliver them. They fell into fear and unbelief. Okay, well, spiritually speaking, in us today, if we're honest with ourselves, that's something we struggle with, I think. I'm, I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> and uh, and it may not be fear and unbelief. It may be pride. It may be whatever. But it's a, something that he's delivered you from. And then it comes again, and he's got to deliver you again. You know, and uh, and he will. He's faithful. And uh, uh, just to yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to speak to somebody out there who, you know, you you've been struggling with some things, or you are you feel the rebuke of the father. I felt the rebuke of the father before, 
But that's not the moment to quit. I cherish mm-hmm. the rebuke of the Father. Uh, and just because you slip up, just because you fail, just because you feel the rebuke of the Father, just because you hear the upbraidedness or the taking to task, um, that is not the disqualifier. That's actually the qualifier because now he's saying, I've got you. You're not, I'm not letting you go anywhere. You're gonna, we're going to correct this. We're going to mm-hmm. fix this because you have a mission. Thank you have you, a Lord. purpose. You have a destiny. You're mine. You are mine. I am the beloved, and the beloved is mine. We're going we're gonna to see this through, and you are still going to go preach the gospel. And this is one thing that I, I struggle sometimes with on even like in getting into Timothy and Titus when it's talking about the qualification of elders and leaders. We always let one disqualification disqualify them permanently. And I feel like that's not what Christ or who Christ is. And we should, grace is grace is awesome. Now, does that give us the permission to fail? Most definitely not. But, you know, we've got to stop disqualifying each other for the, the call of God just because we have one situation or one failure or one angry moment or something like that where you're, in a car crash and you say the D word, now we just want to disqualify people forever from being a Christian. Like, let's not make this thing about works. Let's make this thing about Jesus and Jesus will change the works. But if we make this thing just about works, we're not born again because of our works. We're born again unto good works. And good works is the natural recourse of a relationship with Christ that has transformed me from the inside out. Because if you have nothing more than transformed works, absent of a transformed heart, you have legalism, religion, not Christianity and the kingdom. And so this is Jesus's beauty that he will not leave you in this, in sin. Right? Like, he's not leaving these guys in sin. He appears yeah. to them, is what Greg was saying. Yeah. He came to them because he's trying to get them out of their sin. He reveals himself to you. And their disobedience and their, their that. But... Um, at the same time, too, though, he wasn't saying because of your unfor- unbelief or un- hardness of heart. It's over. It's, y'all are done. <laughs> yeah, You're disqualified. Done. I am, I am Go sit in the you. corner and watch the real Christians do it. <laughs> yeah. He never said Because that. this is the beauty about Christianity. Mm. And people, people will say that. People will, but yeah. it, this is a journey. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only one of us three that feel this way, but I'll just say it. Some days are better than others. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Someday you feel like you hit a grand slam and some days you feel like you were the grand slam that just yeah. got smashed. Yeah. And and so it's like this is why it's a journey. And this is mm-hmm. I, I love this about Paul. Paul knew it was a journey. Because Paul said this is a race. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna fall, get up and keep running. The righteous man yeah. shall fall seven times, but he gets back up. It doesn't give you permission to fall. Nope. But, but if you do sin, he gets back up. We have an Amen. advocate with a. It's a journey. Yep. And, and don't emotions. don't stay there in your failure. Don't Mm-mm. stay. Don't stay. Don't let fall. the emotions yeah. lead either. Yep. I love emotions for the fact of like getting to feel emotions with the Lord, mm. like getting yep. to feel whenever I feel His love. I love yep. emotions in mm-hmm. those times Dude. whenever I'm with the Lord. Yeah. But other than that, I pretty much hate them <laughs> because <laughs> they're so deceptive. Yes. They can be so deceiving, mm-hmm. and um, they're selfish. Yes, yeah. yes, they're when emotions are in the flesh, it, it just never is good. There's just yeah. it's not good, and um, so I'm thankful that the truth trumps emotions. Yeah, and um, I'm thankful for the word. I'm thankful for 
the Holy Spirit, if we, we will. I'm if, thankful for his correction. For his correction, his yeah, rebuke. This, this his rebuke reproof. right here, he's, you know, several times I've had that. And uh, where would I be if he, if he hadn't? I would still be there where I was before he corrected me. Because he corrected me, I went the other way. You see, if it hadn't been for his correction, I wouldn't have been corrected. Yeah. So, man, I'm so thankful. So thankful. Amen. Yes. Emotion can be a good friend, but it's a very poor master. Yep. And uh, I always use that, what you said, they're, uh, they're good companions, but terrible leaders. Yeah. I use that everywhere I go. I stole it from you. Well, so, you know. <laughs> I'd probably stole it from somebody else. No, so you okay. freely gave it. You didn't uh, have to steal it. Okay. It was a gift. Well, I use it. Then. You know, we was I was talking to somebody the other day about 2024, and I'm not like a New Year's resolution guy. I've learned a long time ago I fail at them so miserably. Don't even do it. Um, so I just stopped doing them. But so we were talking about this conversation of, you know, what would our hearts be, be for the church in 2024? And my heartbeat for me and the church, just in general, is that we would come to a place of maturation, to where emotion's not our dictator. Yeah. And that we learn consistency. Because the one thing I figured out over 18 years of being a Christian and being a ministry is that we are so incredibly inconsistent. And I, and I think maturity is the application of elementary things consistently. Consistently, It's just doing what Christ has called us to do day in, day out. Is there going to be days we hit it out of the park? Yes. Is there going to be days that the, we are hitting the fence and it hurts really bad? <laughs> yes. But at the end of the day, we got to be consistent. And here's why I say that. I don't want people to try to figure out which Aaron they're going to get. And unfortunately, that's so often. And we let the externals guide our internal peace. And shalom in the Hebrew, if you break down the word we taught this last week, is the authority that destroys the connection of the... Okay, so it's the authority... No, hold on. How does this go, Hannah? I missed it. I'm messing something up. What, it's okay. Yeah, uh, it's the right to left. Okay, I got it now. It's the destruction of the authority connected to chaos and confusion. Oh, I have a picture of it. It's the authority. Con- it's the destruction of the authority connected to chaos and confusion. Guard your peace. Christ came to destroy the authority that confusion and chaos has. That's shalom, and and a lot of that is manifest in the way that we're inconsistent. That's, that's being in the eye of the hurricane. Complete yes. chaos around, complete peace in the middle. Yes. Well, Shalom a lot of... Shalom f- is the destroying of the authority that is connected with chaos and confusion. Yep. Woohoo! Nailed it. Nailed it! <laughs> uh, I do have something funny, though. Somebody was trying to take a, a photo. I think it was uh, Cayman Stone, Kaylee's younger sister, yeah. uh, during church of that same slide, and she said, something happened, and somebody like hit her phone, and it only ended up getting a picture of Aaron. <laughs> He he was just like blurred in the picture, and she didn't even get the slides. And then I was thinking Photo about that. Bomb. I was like, if somebody accidentally got a picture of Aaron, like, is that illegal <laughs> to take a picture without him knowing? Nope, it's a public place. Yeah, public place. Yep. It's a public place. All right. Well, we're out of here for today. Love you guys so much. We're gonna make room for Brother Ernie to come in and preach a little while here on the Box Two Radio Network. Be blessed. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time here on the Box 2 Radio Network.